Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent guests and interviews featured on JM in the AM. This edition of JM Rewind is completely about one specific date, the date of December the 2nd, when two really wonderful events are happening in the Jewish world. We'll start with Allison Josephs and Jew in the City. Her big event is coming up on the 2nd of December in New York City. My interview with her is next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, as we said, Jew in the City, Allison Josephs is in our studio this morning. Uh, we admire the fact that she came in for this full-length conversation in advance of her big event that's coming up, and you can watch the entire thing right now. If you go to Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, she's waving to the crowd as we speak. Again, that's Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, the red carpet is awaiting you and everybody who's in our listening audience as Jew in the City invites you to the 6th Annual All-Star Awards. It's happening at Alice Tully Hall, the distinguished Lincoln Center, on Monday night, December the 2nd. We will go through all these details and certainly speak about all the people that are going to be recognized that night coming up. But first, we say good morning to Allison Josephs, Jew in the City. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Great to have you here. And we appreciate the fact that you are here, in fact, for this uh, a full-length conversation. We get an opportunity to really hear what's happening with the Jew in the City effort. You became Jew in the City how long ago at this point? So I made the first video in 2005. Wow. I'm getting to the point now where I actually have to, like, check notes to like remember dates because it's getting a little bit foggy so um but I do remember that um and it was really um because I had seen another YouTube show called Lonely Girl 15 um and she was taking her life I mean it was actually a scripted show that people were tuning in and taking interest in this character and I realized that most people will never meet an orthodox person in real life but what if we could create a virtual orthodox character for them to meet and YouTube was not very full at that point. I mean, now all of the social media platforms are... Now you're competing with everybody. Correct. But um, I was able to get in early before it was too overloaded and establish this. What are the myths today that must be debunked? We haven't covered everything yet about Orthodox Judaism, have we? So this is how things have gotten a little bit complicated since Project Macomb came into my life. We actually had to redo our mission statement and move away from the word stereotype and switch instead to the word negative association. Mm. Because the troubling thing that we've learned from these people that are leaving the, the observant life is that those things that we called stereotypes, for a lot of them, it's true. And that's really this, it was this aha moment. It's a, it's a um, <laughs> depressing moment. Um, I still believe there's more good than bad. But, um, and I think that this is why I had my share of haters for years that said, this is lies, this is whitewashing, this, you know, rosy picture of orthodoxy is not real. That's, it is, the, that's the crease, I hope, over the years. Um, I well, I, what I would say is trying to take a more nuanced position. Now mm. I have um, unhappy people on both sides. Yeah. So <laughs> now you know you're doing the right. Exactly. Job. <laughs> no, look. Thank God. I think um, for the most part, anyone that understands nuance appreciates that we are trying very hard to give a nuanced uh, perspective. But um, the reality is, is that um, look, there are cases of mental illness where someone just sort of flew off the handle or is not, you know, fully there. I I don't know what the percentage of that is, but 
what it seems to be is that we are seeing for the people coming to us, and again, these are the ones that are leaving the community. Right. We are seeing cases where the women were giving message, given messages of sort of being subservient and submissive to their husbands. That was my per- perception of Orthodox Jews before I entered the community. Then right. I entered the community, and I met friends from all over, and I really and I have friends from every community, from the modern to the more Haredi. And I met empowered women. But the ones that are coming to us, the ones that rejected it, it's not a surprise, were given this negative and unappealing messaging. So we're like, we can't wait to show you Judaism. It's amazing what you were raised with um, to cheat the government, to cover up abuse, um, for women to not have voices, to have unhealthy ideas in terms of intimate matters. That's not Judaism. So we are so excited to teach you Judaism. Right. Um, but... So that's the thing, to call it stereotypes. It's actually happening in some places. And those are the stories that get to the media, and that's the stuff that the media loves to report oh, yeah. on. I'm also anxious to point out, uh, people shouldn't think, based on your presentation here, that this is strictly for women. You are helping out men and women throughout the entire community who are trying to, you know, I would say improve their lives. Maybe that's a, that's too... Uh, uh, that, maybe I shouldn't put it that no, way. No, it is. It, 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 it would be improvement of their lives. They, 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 they would regard it that way. Look, if you've been hurt by figures that are religious or in religious systems, religious schools, yeshivas, um, one option is to throw it all away and to assume that it's all trash and it's all horrible. The other option to take is to say, maybe my experience was bad and maybe there's better out there. Now, we did some market research before we launched Project Malcolm for people that had, you know, sort of left observance completely. Right. And we discovered that a whole lot of them actually wanted to remain observant, but they weren't sure how to get sort of pathways into new communities. Right. All right, I got to stop you there for a second. We got to rewind because th- this is too important to set up for the for the audience uh, in terms of how Project Malcolm uh, evolved from Jew in the City. Uh, Allison Joseph's here. You hear her 10 o'clock every single Thursday here at the Malcolm Single Network. She's done amazing work with Jew in the City. So at some point, I, I assume a decision had to be made if this was going to be formalized, if this effort to try to get people who want to improve their lives. Who, and by the way, you said a moment ago that it sounded like the majority of them want to stay observant. That's what it sounded like, that the majority of people who you come across uh, who are facing these situations and are, have, have you know thrown their hands up and are fed up with certain aspects of the community, the majority of them actually would like to stay within the community. Is that accurate? What I'm from the people that are coming to us, they're coming to us for this purpose of trying to find their place right. in the Orthodox world. Do you ever ask yourself why? Like, you must be amazed that you meet people who have this type of background, who are bringing this type of baggage to you and others that they're suffering from, and yet want to stay within the community. I think because ultimately there's the Pintalayid that maybe somehow knows there's something better out there or hopes there's something better out there. I'm not even talking about us, though. I'm saying we have spoken to people that already left, that left completely. And when we spoke to them, they said, actually, I was making an attempt to come in and I didn't know how to fit into your community. The ones that are coming to us already are self-selecting because that's our mission statement to to help them come in. In terms of launching this, you know, as a a full effort— it happened because a couple came to one of my talks meant for beginners. The thing about, you know, people ask me many times, and it wasn't until we redid our mission statement, we worked with an executive coach, our board spent a lot of time thinking this over. What does Jew in the City have to do with Project Malcolm? It seems like two opposite things. Just quit Jew in the City. And I knew in my heart that it was not two different things. Lots of people were trying to attract this crowd and didn't figure out how to do it. We were not trying to attract them, and they came to us. Why? Because I think ultimately a human being wants two elements of their life. They want a happy and enjoyable life, but with their material needs, and they want a fulfilling and meaningful life, but in a spiritual way. 
And that's what Judaism offers when practiced healthily. And you can find that in a variety of communities from modern to Haredi. Right. Correct. And that is the thing that most people in the world don't know. That's the thing that most Jews don't know. Um, the people that are raised in negative situations don't know. And that's what we espouse on Jew in the City. Look at all the ways you can have room within halacha to express yourself, to eat good food, to take great vacations. There is room within our boundaries to have this enjoyable life. And then on top of that, you can have a life with meaning. Because I had an enjoyable life. I had all of part one in mm-hmm. my pre-religious days. But I saw that life was fleeting and that nothing here lasts. And it was this terrifying feeling like, what am I doing with my time day in, day out that will actually matter when I'm just going to be decomposing the ground one day? So to discover a a spiritual side to myself and to be able to invest in that, to have wisdom to draw on when life gets complicated, to have a God to turn to when life gets tragic, that takes that enjoyable part and then gives it a foundation. So that's what human beings want. Right, and their spiritual experience has been just the opposite till this point, has been tragic, one could call it, or certainly a negative one. And now they find someone like you and the people you're working with, and they're able to turn their spiritual experience into a positive thing. The first Shabbaton that we did, a woman um, who, it was a Shabbaton actually at Lipesh Meltzer Shul um, in Ermont, she said to me, of course I believe in Hashem, but he's the boogeyman waiting to strike me down. So there's not just Yiras Hashem going on here. The people coming to us have been made to believe, well, two things. Their, their, leader, their leaders, rabbis, teachers have told them the Yisurin that they have struggled with, and we're talking all forms of abuse, were caused by their own actions. Right. So their Averos caused it. And then as they are being tortured in these various ways, Hashem is laughing in delight with their suffering. This is, and again, some of the stuff, um, some people told us that I was told that I caused my own Yasurin, so some things were explicit, and other things, I think, were never said explicitly, but they got this message that Hashem is this bad guy that, you know, can't wait to, you know, zap them in the fires. Are, are there plenty of people in the same communities that you're describing who are very happy? A thousand percent. Okay, just want to make No, I know. And, and here's the thing. My husband's like, man, you've gone so negative recently. And I, I guess I, I need to sort of step back. You know, what people need to understand if they have that feeling, we are being inundated with these stories. I know the majority is still good and the majority is still great and beautiful. And we're not hearing from the majority. We've had, I mean, you have new cases constantly? We have a new sign up every few days. And, you know, one story is more tragic than the next. Men and women. Men and women. You know, the numbers, interestingly, divide very equally. We've had over 250 signups in under three years. We've done no formal marketing because we're not, try- we're not trying to recruit, meaning we want to be here as a resource for people that need us. But... I would much rather if people were happy where they were. We don't need to move anyone's makom. Really the ideal, and and honestly, what I've seen from this is that if we ever want to stop the negative headlines in the Chil Hashem, if we ever want to stop people from wanting to leave, we really need to look at the underlying issues, whatever is systematic to help relieve that. Because ultimately, we don't want people to, to change their place. We want them to just have a happy place where they are. And that means that Judaism needs to be practiced as it's meant to be. And what our mission statement was changed to was reversing negative associations about religious Jews. And we do this by putting forth an approach based on kindness, tolerance, sincerity, and critical thinking. Or in other words, menschlichkeit, ehrlichkeit, and seichel. I'm laughing only because they must have such a transitional experience when they get into that environment based on where they come from. It must be amazing to them when they meet tolerant 
emotionally positive people who are ready to you know help them along. Look, we I had a woman come to me. She spent showers with my family. She said, this is the first time I've ever been with a non-dysfunctional family for this long. I've never stayed over for a Shabbos with a family that like functions nicely. So what I would say is that these are cases. These are not the normal cases. I can't speak to how many there are because no one has right. um, any you know, sense of those numbers. And that's not important to you, right? right? Not- no, we're, we're here. What The reason that we have to speak about the problems is because we need the community to understand that we need your help. We we are a small organization. I was just making videos on my couch. Everyone is you know, amazed. I got a message. You came into the studio. I'd like to just sit on my couch and not go anywhere. I could really just do everything without like getting out of my pajamas. And then suddenly... Literally, this couple came to one of my talks and said, can you help us? And I said, sure. I checked with my board. Can we do this? Let's give it a try. And then suddenly this whole thing exploded and we just hear story after story. And the other thing I want to say um, is that people are already switching communities, not even from Project Macomb, but from their own volition. So our school Switching in a positive way. Switching in a positive way, meaning... Um, you know, the modern, Finding their place on their own. The modern and central Orthodox community right. has a lot of its own causes right. that are close to home and personal. And there's a little bit of a challenge that this may not feel so relatable to a lot of people. But what I want to say is that they have already come and more are coming. That what We spoke to the principals of Bergen County Yeshivas last year, and they said they are getting more signups from Muncie and Brooklyn than ever before. Wow. We have no method um, to help them acclimate. And this is a really important thing because if these kids don't have a curriculum or some sort of process to um, be brought into the schools. To catch them up, so to speak. Absorb them um, educationally, uh, socially, culturally. um, They could, God forbid, be tomorrow's Amudim stories. Wow. (laughs) So what I'm saying is that we need to speak about the challenges because we really need people to understand we were just trying to be inclusive and helpful to Jews that said that they were lost. Okay, Allison Joseph's here, Jew in the City. The event is coming up December 2nd. We will get to the details. You can watch this whole conversation right now. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Has the pressure from the two sides that you described earlier dissipated, or is it just as strong as ever? Look, I I think that whenever you try to take a nuanced position, um, there will be people on both sides that you know can't quite hear it. All they hear is your positivity. All they hear is your negativity. I just had a, right. a friend recently, you know, more from the Haredi world, say you've gone too negative, and I just I texted him a bunch of screenshots of all the people on the other side that said, "Oh, she's so clueless. She thinks everything is fairy tales, and you know, <laughs> and you know, rose." So, like, it, it's really difficult because if you hear me talking one day, we're going to feature a positive story out of the community, right. and then you hear me another day, and it's a negative story. And are there community leaders? And I don't know if I'm really asking about rabbis, philanthropists, both. But are there community leaders that have really hooked onto your efforts, who have really gotten this mission statement and are ready to move forward with you in, in trying to accomplish these goals? So, look, the only reason that we are operating where we are today is because we had um, some donors a few years ago that came in with some serious seed money. Um, I was never able to raise that kind of money for Jew in the city, even though I thought it was an amazing um, effort. But when it came to these stories really full of pain, we were able to connect to some donors that wanted to take it to the next level. And then over time, we've been able to bring more people in. Um, But it's sort of about, you know, when you get seed money, you can't rely on it forever. You have to start replacing it with new money. So it's sort of about diversifying the donor base. And then really the next plan is to scale and to take it to the next level. Would this event be a little less extravagant if it was just you in the city? Have, have we gotten to a certain level because now we've got to have the financial support that we need for Project Macomb? 
So the reason that at our last event in 2017, um, we had 500 people. And when people left this event, first of all, the amount of stress and worry and anxiety for making an event like this is like so beyond. Every time I do it, I'm like, I'm never doing this, this again. This is an oasis for you to come in here for a half hour after everything you're going through now planning this event. <laughs> when the event ended last time, people were struggling for words to describe how they felt and for the ones that were able to express their thoughts, we heard things like, I've never felt this proud to be Jewish my entire life. I never felt so good to be from for as long as I can remember. Right. Because remember, it's Orthodox All-Stars, right? It's Orthodox All-Stars. <laughs> a Project Michael member said to me, Allison, I only have one complaint. With a Kiddush Hashem this big, you should have filled up City Field. <sighs> so I was like, oh, that's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there one day. So we took 2018 off because right. we were building a database. We were building infrastructure for the organization. We built a code of conduct with lawyers and mental health professionals so that we could really keep this population safe from each other um, when they do Shabbos visits. We really wanted to give this some very serious thought. We have a lot of child sex abuse victims coming to us. So how do you bring them all together and yet keep people with appropriate boundaries? Right. So we really we needed to track our metrics to be able to report to donors how many people are coming to what events per month. So we spent 2018 doing that. This year, the idea was let's go bigger. If if we can make people feel this good about being from, if we can make people from every community feel this great about being Jewish, I will have to answer one day. If Hashem will say, why didn't you have more people in the seats? That's really how I feel. You know, so many of these dinners that are done, they're, they're obligations you have for a tzedakah yeah. you believe in, and you come out, sure. you write your check, you show your support. This is an event that people should be running to because for them, it's going to fill them with something that's going to last for a long time. So... We were searching around for the best price we could find on a theater in Manhattan that could hold a lot of people. And we got to Alice Tully Hall. And the truth is that it's an expensive venue and it's a level of professionalism that we really didn't know what we were doing. I really spent most of my life just winging things, really. Like, I don't prepare for any interviews or really any part of life. I just really just get up and do most. Like, I could tell Allison. Um, but, um, but we got here and it's like, boy, you need to know your stuff. But we get like a billboard in front of the building on Broadway where we are blasting out who our all-stars are. We have a playbill. We ha we're on their website selling tickets. And the truth is that in terms of Kiddush Hashem, I feel like this is where we want to be. That's the way to go. We want to be in everyone's face to say Orthodox Jews are not the people to, God forbid, stab and assault and do horrible things to. We are proud members of society. We contribute to the world. We lead an elevated life. We lead an honest and good life. We should be filled with Jewish pride. And that is how Jew in the City and Project Makom relate. Because ultimately, if we want to give people an alternative from the unhealthy experience that they had, they need something positive to run to. We always make sure that our all-stars are diverse in terms of their hashkafa. We have Dove Kramer from Passaic, who's yeshivish. We have Shulam Lemmer, who's Hasidish. We have uh, Yassi Esses, the CTO of Open Table, um, who's, I would say, maybe like, you know, Modern yeshivish in L.A., we have a range, and modern orthodox as well, we have a range of hashkafas we always have had because we don't want to say one way is better than another. We want to say that you can be an all-star and do incredible things from a variety of communities. And we also should note that the list of people you put together are not just orthodox people who happen to be in these you know, interesting worlds, uh, politics, sports, and everything else, uh, but they're people who, whether they like it or not, uh, really... Um, serve as a wonderful example 
of what Orthodox Jews are in the workplace and in other public forum where they are. And that's something to be noted. They're not just, you know, from people who happen to be, you know, in those types of industries where it's, oh, it's fun to see, you know, Jews in, in those areas of, uh, of, uh, of employment. But these are people who really, again, whether it's on purpose or not, really project a tremendously positive image for Orthodox Jews. Uh, Jew in the City invites you to the 6th Annual All-Star Awards. It's the greatest night in Orthodox Jewish professional success. I like that. Uh, it is presented by Hani Waxler of Bud's Events Designs. It's happening at Alice Tully Hall on Broadway in New York City. That's Lincoln Center, of course. Alice Tully, as I was telling Allison before this conversation, one of my favorite places. It is a. It is one of those uh, theaters uh, where it does have the uh, incredible... A valor of Lincoln Center, while at the same time every seat's amazing. It's really you feel like you're you're part of the whole thing going on on stage. There's a VIP pre-party happening at 7 p.m. that night. It's Monday, December 2nd. The doors will open at 7:30, and the awards presentations and show starts at 8 o'clock. It'll be followed by uh, hors d'oeuvres and dessert. Uh, the program is produced by Disney director and Jew in the City All Star Saul Blinkoff. That must be a great feeling for you. Someone who you've recognized is now part of this whole uh, uh, presentation team. So the year that he was honored, you know, every year that we do this, we get better. The first year we did this, it really happened on a whim. Again, I told you I spent my life winging things. We had just filmed the Maccabees for their portion of the original All-Star video that came out in 2012. That they had, were the first honorees? They were the first honorees with Senator Lieberman, Joe, um, um, D- what, Dimitri, why am I blacking on his name? Salita. Dimitri Salita, there we go. It's, I'm getting <laughs> foggy right now. Um, we We had 10 people in that video. And just on a whim, I said, oh, it was so fun to film the Maccabees. We should have a reunion. And my intern at the time said, let's have a launch party. I said, sure, that sounds great. So I just wrote on Facebook, it would be fun to have a launch party for this video. And a woman named Sarah Lassery, um, who owns a restaurant, um, you know, planned a lot of parties, said, I'm a party planner. I'll make you a party. And in just five weeks with no budget, we made a party with like over 200 people at um, at KJ. Um, we had the New York Times, New York Post, Wall Street Journal there. And it was such an inspired evening that my husband said, do this every year, open up nominations to the public. And I was raised really like there wasn't Torah pride growing up because we didn't really know Torah. But my mother would be like, this person is Jewish and that person is Jewish. And they invented this. Exactly. So that was really, um, I think, just from literally my mother's milk, this idea of like we get very excited to find to see our people doing cool things. But I will even bring you a Torah proof that this is what. Jews love to do Let's hear it. since the Megillah. Yeah. So they the Jews have been saved from sudden death. It's almost the Holocaust, and then in an instant, everything flips. And they they don't hear the Megillah say they're happy. When do we see Lahudim Haisa Ora? Right when Mordechai comes out standing next to the king. It's when Mordechai gets you know sort of rolled out for everyone to see number two in the kingdom. That's when the Jews have this Ora and Simcha and Sasson. We talk about it every week. The week is starting. Time to go work. Go, go be another Mordechai right now and do right. something uh, exceptional. So um, it, bring, it just brings a joy. And I would say like this, for every time we see a negative headline about something that our community member has done that makes us feel embarrassed and ashamed and makes us wonder, how can I go to work on Monday? They're going to see me as that guy. This is that exact opposite feeling. I'm with her. I'm with him. He's successful. She's, you know... When we see people that are doing great things um, that we look up to, we want to be a part of that. And I would say that feeling of someone wanting to lean into it makes us more excited to be to be observant. When we hear from our friends from the non-Jewish or non-observant world that they've seen Shalom Lemmer, for instance, and they call us, are you aware of this? We take great pride. And, of course, God forbid the opposite. If a news story is uh, out there for uh, you know for negative purposes, 
that same uh, you know that same feeling that same extreme feeling uh you know overwhelms us it's not one of pride unfortunately it's one of of tremendous uh, uh disappointment uh so yes you are right when we have all stars like this who are out there and doing amazing work and really providing incredible uh an, an incredible example to everybody about what orthodox Jews are and can be it is an amazing feeling and you are recognizing uh, Dove Kramer as you said executive producer at WFAN Shalom Lemmer who you mentioned uh, the Honorable David Friedman, great U.S. Ambassador to Israel. Uh, the Honorable Stephanie Pollack, Secretary of Transportation in Massachusetts, an Orthodox Jew, huh? An Orthodox Jew. Amazing. Sam Raskoff, former director of the NYPD Intelligent, Intelligence Analysis Unit, another Orthodox Jew. I don't know how you meet all these people, by the way, but are they, in fact, uh, coming to you from, from emails and, and those who are nominated? These are people them? are all nominated, correct, yes. Interesting. Uh, Jerry Wittenstein, NASA physicist who developed three of the six trajectories for Apollo 11. Sounds like a smart guy. And he finished us. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. That's great. Karen Barrow, senior editor at the New York Times. What's a nice Jewish girl doing at the New York Times? <laughs> <laughs> uh, A.J. Edelman, first Orthodox Jewish male Olympian. We read a lot about him uh, during those Olympics. Joseph Esses, CTO of Open Table, you mentioned. And uh, who did I leave out? Batel uh, Gatterer. Gatterer. First Orthodox Jewish female Olympian in what sport? Taekwondo. And wow. she actually beat, you know, we thought that AJ was the first. Right. First Orthodox Jew to get to the Olympics right. in world history. And then we, Batel was nominated. We found out that a girl got there first 2008 in Beijing. Unbelievable. And they've never met before. So they're actually meeting for the first time at our event. The majority of these all-stars are going to be there at Alice Tully Hall. People will literally have a chance to meet these people. Which is pretty amazing. And we also have former All-Stars come back. What's what's cute about it is it's a little bit of a club. Um, When you're that high in your career, um, remaining observant, being observant is really something that's quite... um, uh, It's not by accident. It's not STEM. It's really... It takes an effort. It it takes a real effort. And it's for them to have support and to have friendships. So so some of our All-Stars have actually become close friends with each other because they can support each other through these challenges of that balance of, you know work life and, and from life. Well, look, and, and one other point, of all the people on this list, the one I'm most familiar with likely is Dove Kramer, who's an old friend, and the level of respect that his colleagues, forget for a moment the, uh, uh, you know, those who might be, uh, you know, family and friends who understand the great example he's setting, but his colleagues, non-Jewish, secular colleagues, who've, who likely many of them have never really met or dealt with an Orthodox Jew in their lives, it's amazing the respect that they have for him. What's really so heartwarming for us is to see how when we go to film the All-Stars, because we we have videos for nine out of ten of them. We were not able to get one for uh, the ambassador. The State Department was not being so easy. But um, I hear that. But um, to see how their colleagues relate to them. We saw how Dove's colleagues relate to them. When we went to Ford last time to film the treasurer of Ford, Neil Schloss, and we're talking about a from Yid managing the money of, you know, the, the late Henry Nazi Ford. Henry Ford. <laughs> He's probably rolling in his grave. First of all, the company has done a lot of, I would say, soul-searching to really rectify what their past came from. And they were so, whatever we can do to help you, you know, they didn't know the word mensch, but they wanted to basically tell me, like, Neil is the biggest mensch, like, whatever we can do to help you with Neil, we would love to. So that's really um, just so lovely that we're we're publicizing their light that they, you know, sort of put out in their everyday lives um, to increase that pride and joy. And so that's why for anyone that said, oh, you've gone so negative. No, the message is still so, (laughs) so positive. The problem is that like we have had these very heavy traumatic stories come to us. And I feel like 
we have to be a mouthpiece. I have to be a mouthpiece for these people because a lot of times they don't feel like they're taken seriously. So I need the I know world. Many of them are afraid to open their mouths. Forget Correct. about taking seriously. Correct. So, and by the way, we didn't address that. Those from their community and how they view them as they go through this experience. That's also you mentioned earlier about uh, you know about code of conduct, code of conduct, social contact with those you know who are in, who are in delicate situations. I mean, they also have to deal with people in their own community that they come from and the things that are said about them and, God forbid, things that might be done to them because of the path that they're now on. That's a big challenge, right? A lot of them do not have contact with their families right. or they come to us in complete secret. We had one guy that told us, I've never said my inside voice out loud to another person in my life. You are the first people that heard my real questions, my real doubts. When someone is so isolated, they become so desperate. So, you know, I think... What I'm hoping is that our, you know, 10 plus years, our 12 years of Kiddush Hashem, of positivity, will give us a little bit of protection to say that some things need changing. Because right. ultimately the goal is to build and to inspire and to make Jews feel great about Torah and mitzvot. But if there's a problem that people are being hurt by, if we don't fix it, then it's a chil Hashem. So, so recognizing where we're falling short is a huge Kiddush Hashem. Yeah, no question about that. Also, there's a musical performance on December 2nd because you've uh, asked Shalom Lemmer and the Maccabees to perform, and they will that night at Alice. It's the first time they've ever performed together. We did a dress rehearsal, and when I went to hear them sing, they met at a studio in Midtown, um, I was so overwhelmed with all the planning, and they sang a song, which um, it's a Disney song. We're not going to reveal what it is, but what I will tell you is that when I heard this song um, on my daughter's playlist about a year ago, I, I'm not a very emotional person. I don't get off the couch and I don't cry very much, but I actually got um, like emotional just driving in the car because the song so perfectly described the Project Makom journey um, from sort of a, a place of darkness and um, you know seeing the world in a negative way and a shift to um, positivity and, and joy. Um, and when we asked Shulam to sing, I'm like, he already did the Million Dreams song, you know, for another organization. We can't do that again. And I realized this song, this song will be perfect. And as they were singing it that night over and over again, my heart was just lifted so high. And it really so well describes what we're trying to put out to the world about, you know, what the Orthodox Jewish community is, what we can be. Um, and it really, it gave me chizuk to keep on going um, because, you know, sometimes an artistic expression of an emotion just sort of, I don't know, feels even deeper, more profound. Um, so it's the first time they're ever performing together. They're Maccabees' former All-Stars, right. Shulam, current All-Star. Um, it's really, we're just so excited to have this. And we're filming a live video that night. Oh, very cool. So if you are in the audience, and mm -hmm. you should be, um, you could be in our video. So that's kind of an, and we're going to be releasing it, God willing, in time for Hanukkah. Very, very nice. America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We should also point out that on Monday night, December 2nd, at Alice Tully Hall, Mayim Bialik will receive the Keter Shem Tov Award. I don't know what you can or cannot say publicly on the following topic, but I feel like I need to ask the question. Do, do a lot of Hollywood people roll their eyes at her love for Judaism and Zionism? So I've asked her this. She said it definitely feels lonely to mm. be so modest and so outspoken. 
you know, she's on Instagram and she's like, I'm separating dough because of the 2,000 year old, you know, <laughs> priests that <laughs> were in the holy temple. Um, so that's not happening anywhere else. Look, I think that she's very close with her co star, Jim Parsons. She, you know, when I offered her this award, I kind of thought like maybe she's going to be done for a while. Like, most people don't get a show, and like, you know, I, I wanted one. Most people don't get two shows, two hit shows. That's really unusual. Um, and then just a few months after this ended, she's already now back on Fox in the fall. Um, she's going to be executive producing and starring in a show called Carla, which she is uh, co-executive producing with Jim Parsons. And she is now direct. She wrote and is directing a movie starring Dustin Hoffman and Candace Bergen. So what I sort of thought was like maybe like Lifetime Achievement Award, you know, um, no, she is still in there and she now has more control of her career than ever. So the thing about Mime is that she's always been outspoken about a variety of topics, whether it's being a vegan or Israel or yeah. Judaism. So um, it's sometimes hard if people don't agree with but you. The but the people she's surrounded by like the vegan thing. It's true. It's true. But <laughs> I don't I'm always saying, like the Israel It's thing. true. But once you put yourself out on social media, right. you know, the meat eaters might be like, what are right. you doing there? So I think that, um, look, she's a, a human being like everyone else. And, you know, it, it gets to be a bit much if people come after you with negativity. But um, it doesn't stop her. It doesn't silence her, even if she's sort of the lone. But I will say it's interesting is that she's been dressing modestly on the red carpet for so many years, and now it's become this trend in the right. last several years. Isn't that funny? Even Kim Kardashian, her mm. husband did chuva, and now I just thought Kim Kardashian's dressing more tznia. So I tell Mayim she's really a trendsetter here. So, yes, it can get lonely, but, um, but she has a strong voice, and no one has ever had a platform of this level right. in Hollywood. So we want to recognize that she has literally restored the crown of the good name to the Orthodox community. Uh, you can watch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nachum Single Network. Our final minutes with Allison Josephs. The event, of course, December 2nd. We should point out that our amazing friend Josh Masson, who's incredible, at Nobo is going to be your caterer that night. So people at least know that the food's going to be amazing. The food's going to be amazing. <laughs> and we should point out there's a movie premiere that night. Tell me about it. So the all-star movies um, basically is what we show for the first time. And just so people know, not everything that we show in the Alice Tully Hall Theater that night will actually go online because we have a couple all-stars that um, – you know, do not want their um, video to be to be publicized. Has like, to stay exclusive. Has to stay exclusively that event. Um, so you will get um, a you know a peek into content that will never be seen anywhere else, and you will also be the first to see um, their stories revealed. So, um, you know, we the way that Saul runs this show, he said nobody likes long speeches. Long speeches are boring. So even I only get two minutes. Um, the all stars get one minute. So this is not a light night of long, boring, you know, drawn out speeches. We capture two and a half minutes of each of their stories, the mo most poignant and funny moments. They say a, a few quick words of thanks, and we move on to the next one. Mine receives her award. We'll say, I'm sorry, a short, beautiful speech. Um, and then we end with a musical performance. And then we go out to a party. Um, we have Jeff uh, Nekanoff, Azamra um, DJ, who is going to be on music. We've got an open bar uh, wine from... Um, Herzog, you know, royal wine, sure. and Miskeo liqueur, chocolate liqueur. Um, a Hasidic woman that started a liqueur company, which is fascinating. Um, <laughs> and then we've got um, we've got Josh at uh, Nobo, partnered with uh, Genadine Caterers, um, to bring you this after party. Um, you know, tons of past hors d'oeuvres coming, carving stations. 
Um, it's really, you know, sort of that dinner model of sitting down and being stuck with people that may be boring and, you know, the speeches are kind of like, once it's going to be over, this is the exact opposite. You're going out to an exciting and inspiring and fun show at Lincoln Center and then having a fun party afterwards. Well, for an event that's 10 days away, you seem pretty relaxed, I must say. I'm totally, <laughs> totally chilled out. <laughs> uh, information about all of this, you can use the phone number, which is 201 613 There are some people who still do use a telephone to make reservations for events, 201-613-2070. But I bet Allison would recommend you go to jewinthecity.com slash events. Again, that's jewinthecity.com slash events. And there is a registration level. There's a VIP level. There's different things that people could do that night. There's a show-only level because we wanted to make this more. We have seats to fill. So we wanted to do a price point that could be affordable for people that couldn't afford the full price. Um, and then there is the show and after party level where if you want the, you know, the whole shebang and then if you are able to be a sponsor, right. you get that extra party, you get some really cool swag and, and you get to know that you're helping us to, to fix some of the things in the world that need to be fixed. And again, it's two parts for the people that don't know who we are from the outside, from the people that need reminding and chizik from the inside and from the people that had such bad experiences all the way in, we're there to make being an observant Jew, a positive and beautiful and wonderful thing. Uh, again, 201-613-2070. You could email info at jewinthecity.com, and you can go to the website, jewinthecity.com slash events. We should point out that in addition to all the people you mentioned, you do have an entire list of great personal and corporate sponsors who are involved, a wonderful uh, event chairman uh, uh, committee and a regular uh, host committee, uh, all of whom are uh, prominent names who are uh, – who are also involved, and obviously you've touched a nerve. You've gotten people who are uh, of means and are leaders in our community to understand that this is a real problem that must be addressed. And everybody out there, when you go to the website, you'll see you can get your VIP sponsorships, which includes what Allison said regarding before and after the show. Uh, there's the All Stars Experience Auction, which if you're a sponsor, you can you'll be able to purchase. No, can anybody anyone, purchase? anyone, even, anyone if, you, like even if you can't come to the event for twenty five dollars online, they can buy online that? you can buy it. Um, you can get a tour of uh, WFAN Radio if that's your thing. You can get a personalized Disney drawing by Saul Blinkoff. Um, you can get a tour of uh, Warner Brothers and a meeting with Steve Spira, who's the director of Worldwide Business Affairs at Warner Brothers. So we have a variety of prizes from past and present All-Stars being given out. One-of-a-kind experiences that you can get anywhere else, but because you're supporting Jew in the City, you can get it here. And that's all there on the site, plus it's included in the VIP package of people go in that direction plus is an online ad journal that people can uh, uh, can utilize on the website as well reserve your spot for the sixth annual all-star awards uh from jew in the city monday december 2nd at lincoln center's alice tully hall i am very glad you came in this morning this Me has too. been a an enlightening conversation regarding such a sensitive topic and i'm glad there are a lot of people in our community who are getting it on from all sides who are getting the uh uh, the positive direction that you're taking people in. And uh, those who are naysayers, hopefully they'll come around very, very soon and understand just how important a project this is. And continue good luck to you. Amen. Thank you so much. And a big thank you to your efforts. Every Thursday you can hear Allison Josephs on the Nahum Siegel Network with at least one uh, uh, important guest from the world of uh, Orthodox All-Stars or anyone in the, uh, in the Orthodox world that is um, uh, doing something special. She brings that to you 10 o'clock Eastern time every Thursday morning right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. This video will be available forever. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. And again, information about the event December 2nd at Alice Tully Hall, 201-613-2070. 201-613-2070. Jewinthecity.com slash events. 
jewinthecity.com slash events. And whatever level you can afford, uh, there are different uh, categories, whether it's the show only, the VIP, the after party, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there on the website. Give what you can and let Allison and her staff continue to do great things uh, for people in our community who are in need. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Allison Josephs, Jew in the City, as they get set for their December second event next it's howard gases representing the new jersey chapter of the fidf the friends of the israel defense forces that's happening in new jersey on december the 2nd and everybody out there who are fidf supporters and those who want to get involved are encouraged to attend howard gases my guest on jm rewind here at the nahum Siegel network well um most of our uh, amazing listeners especially the longtime listeners know how we feel about the fidf the friends of the IDF, the friends of Tzahal, the friends of the Israeli soldiers. And FIDF's New Jersey chapter, which is the chapter that we are closest with here at JM and the AM, is presenting a Night of Heroes, the 15th annual FIDF New Jersey Tribute Dinner. It's a spectacular evening in support of the brave men and women of the IDF happening Monday, December the 2nd starting at uh, 6.30 with dinner and cocktails at the Venetian on River Drive in uh, Garfield, New Jersey. With us live via telephone is the FIDF Director of New Jersey, and that's our good friend Howard Gasses. Howard, welcome back to JM in the AM. Nachum, thank you so very much for having us. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you to all the listeners for the support that they and you have given us these past years, and we're looking forward to another great dinner this year. It should be amazing. I see you have a guest speaker, Rona Lee Shimon. Um, she, not only is she an actress, as many people know, but she was actually in Fauto, which is a big deal for a lot of people listening right here. Absolutely, and the show actually, I believe, is starting in Israel again in December, and then we'll be hitting... Um, Back here to the states shortly afterwards. It's so funny. It's funny. Your dinner and Fauda have had a nice relationship, no? Exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you've had uh, you've had both actors and the people from behind the scenes, right, attend the dinner and uh, and really endorse the work that FIDF is doing. Absolutely. We have a wonderful MC this year, as we've had in the past. But Siggy Flicker, a, a TV personality, is going to be helping us out as well. And so, uh, but the most important thing, Nachum, and you know, you've been to the dinner, are the soldiers. We can have yeah. great speakers, but the stories that these heroes come and tell, and we have, again, three segments to our program and three different stories, and uh, that really makes it, uh, the, the dinner makes it worthwhile because we hear heroic stories and we pay tribute to not only the soldiers that are there, but all the soldiers, the parents of the lone soldiers that come. It's just a wonderful evening and an important evening, because uh, especially with what's going on, but it seems like there's always something going on in Israel, but we need to, you know, show our support and pay tribute to them on uh, December 2nd. Howard Gass is with us live via telephone. Uh, talking about the FIDF dinner. By the way, there is a, a website, folks. Go to FIDF.org, FIDF.org. You'll see information about the uh, New Jersey dinner. Um, the um, y- You know, it's funny you talk about the stars that come out and the people that are there, uh, but you're right. It's the It's the messages from the Israeli soldiers. It's the videos that we see. Um, that really uh, portray an amazing tale, an amazing true tale of what our FIDF, what our IDF soldiers go through on a regular basis. 
And Howard, I will add one other aspect to this that I that I would hope you and others would emphasize. And that is when you sit at the FIDF dinner, especially in Jersey, I can't speak for what happens in the rest of the country, you will see people in that room uh, for, who, whose only connection to Judaism is Zionism all the way to people who are completely 100% ritually observant. And I and this is you know and that to me is a very very big positive the unity that's in that room that you could be at, you could be at a table and have people who are parents of soldiers who are uh, you know serving for the Orthodox community and you have parents from soldiers who you know you can't even believe that their child is in the Israeli army that's how far removed they were from the entire concept and they're all together all pledging support together all enjoying the dinner together and all taking pride in the soldiers together. You're 150% correct, because no matter where you are in the religious spectrum, the belief and the knowledge that, just like our motto is, they take care of Israel and we take care of them. The IDF protects not only Israel, but Jews worldwide, and that's why we need to support them, and that's why we have to show our support in numbers, and not just financially. Come to the dinner and show that you care about them. Because they need to hear that on, a, on an ongoing basis. Why has New Jersey been so strong? Why is this one of the strongest chapters of FIDF? Well, I think we were, we were not think, we were founded by three former lone soldiers who have passion for this, uh, this uh, endeavor. I mean, I'll mention one of them. Sammy Barr-Orr has been yep. doing this for years and years and years. Yep. He loves the soldiers. He loves, he cares about them. This is his passion, and so will be the 400 people that are there as well. And, you know, we do a lot. We'll have lone soldiers there. We and that's a very important aspect of New Jersey. Some of, us, some of them call us the lone soldier chapter. Right. I mean, in 2018, <laughs> we supported over 3,000 lone soldiers. And one of the things that's unique about what we do is every soldier for one time during their service is entitled to visit their families, no matter where they are. We pay for that. And not, not me, Howard Gasses, you, the donors that come to these dinners. Lone soldiers is a priority. We're going to have a segment this year on a soldier who lost his father while serving the IDF. And now he, among other things, and doing rescue work, he is part of our legacy program as a counselor. What's the legacy program? We bring people to New Jersey and throughout the country children, 12- and 13-year-olds, that have all lost someone while serving in the IDF, whether it be a sibling or a parent. And he has taken on being a counselor and bringing these kids every summer. We bring about 250. That's just two aspects. I mentioned lone soldiers and legacy, wounded veterans. We're going to have a wounded veteran there who will explain how he got wounded and how we have helped them. And when I say we, again, it's a collective. It's everyone. Great stuff. Really great stuff. I got to say one other thing. I don't know if you guys did this on purpose or not, but I think it was a brilliant move. <laughs> and, uh, then we'll take credit. Yeah. You, you've always had the dinner in beautiful locations. Uh, but geographically, and the Venetian is beautiful and the food there is great, but geographically you now appeal to an even broader part of the New Jersey Jewish community. People in Bergen County can, can feel that this dinner is a lot closer to their home than it used to be, and I think that's really important. And what we want to really emphasize is new people coming. Right. People, you, you've explained it. If you haven't been there before, you don't understand the beautiful, 
beautiful night that there would be. So if anyone, anyone, and I'll give you a special phone number, if anyone hasn't been there before and calls this number and says they heard it on the JM and the AM, we will give you a special price. Nice. Okay. So please, can I mention that number now? Sure. 646 646-274-9646. 646-274-9646. If you haven't been to the dinner before, mention you heard it today on JM and the AM. We'll give you a special price because we want because once you're there, you'll come back next year. Yeah, what, exactly. All you gotta do is show up once. You'll be there every single year. I'm gonna try to make it as well. I told you I'm gonna try we to. We hope there. so. I'm gonna try to be there. It, it is a, it is such an inspiring night, everybody. It's such an inspiring night. December 2nd, FIDF New Jersey Dinner. Uh, you can go to the website, FIDF.org slash NJDinner2019. Again, that's FIDF.org slash NJDinner slash 2019. Excuse me, NJDinner2019. It's FIDF.org slash NJDinner2019. The phone number that Howard Gasses, who directs New Jersey FIDF, just gave us this is a spe- anybody could use this number for information, but if you've never been to the dinner before, you're going to get a special price if you mention you heard it here and you want to go for the first time. 646-274-9646. Again, that's 646-274-9646. Join us for the 15th annual FIDF New Jersey Tribute Dinner at the Venetian, where the community will gather in celebration in support of the brave soldiers of the Israel Defense Forces. Howard Gasses, anything else you'd like to add? I just would say we do a lot of uh, important work for the IDF. Go on the website, look at the, some of the things that we do because of your generosity. As I said before, the IDF takes care of Israel. We take care of them with all the well-being needs. Uh, you, I mentioned legacy, uh, those soldiers that cannot afford to go to a university. There's a program where we sponsor them fully for four years. It's called our Impact Scholarship. The list goes on and on, but this isn't the Howard Gasser Show. It's JM <laughs> in the AM. Come, you'll learn, and you'll have a wonderful time. It's a weeknight, everybody, at the Venetian, December 2nd, FIDF.org slash NJDinner2019 or 646-274-9646. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you, everyone. Make it a big success, everybody. Make it a big success. It's an important dinner, and New Jersey has always, always done well for FIDF. A lot of great soldiers who come from New Jersey, a lot of great families, and tremendous support. Make sure to be there. Circle your calendar for December the 2nd. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Howard Gasses of New Jersey's FIDF. Uh, I remind everybody, if you want information about the... uh, event going on with Allison Josephs and Jew in the City in New York, you can go to her website, Jew in the City. And if you want information about the FIDF New Jersey event, go to the FIDF website. And that takes care of this week's edition of JM Rewind. Plenty more coming up as we continue here at the Nahum Siegel Network. to see How you gonna shake off the dust Ever break free You see them reaching for the stars But you're too slow Little do you see it Little do you know Wishing 
fly, but it's clear you're stuck in place. Never gonna make it to the front, just can't keep pace. You hear them calling your name, but you can't go. Little do you see it, little do you know. This is your time, so go and grab the moment, face the world and show it, oh, oh, oh. this is your time, to show the world the glory, celebrate your story, this is your time. You're t- 